go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispy from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. For those of us who like to interpret things that are on social media, do we have it? The Instagram story from DeAndre Hopkins, which he's working out, and there's there's video of Tom Brady throwing a pass. That looks like Super Bowl 51. Yeah, but, uh, the Falcons. I don't know. Interpret that as you will. I, I doubt that it means that DeAndre Hopkins is going to be catching passes from Tom Brady, but he's going to be catching passes from someone not wearing an Arizona Cardinals uniform because that announcement came on Friday afternoon that the Cardinals, unable to trade DeAndre Hopkins, will be releasing him. And that's where this was pointing. It looked like it was going to be a trade for a long time. The problem is, and Albert Brewer of SI.com pointed this out a couple of weeks ago, they couldn't find anybody to take on that salary. And I think it was Brewer that pointed out in the aftermath of the news on Friday that once Odell Beckham Jr. got $15 million fully guaranteed for one year, that complicated the efforts to come up with an acceptable deal with the Chiefs or the Bills, the two teams that had been talking to the Cardinals about a trade, once Beckham gets 15, and presumably they're trying to squeeze Hopkins to take significantly less than the 19-plus million he's due to make, that sent everything sideways and no trade. Nobody wants to take on the contract. Hopkins doesn't want to take less. Cardinals either keep him around, Chris, and pay him. And remember, we talked not that long ago. Why don't they just keep him? Why don't they just keep him? He's a right. good player. Why don't right. you keep him? Why don't you keep him and pay him? It's only $19 million. You've already paid him the bulk of the money. Right. He's making $27 million a year. If you're only paying him $19 million this year, you're in a pretty favorable point in the out years of the contract. Why don't you just keep him? They don't want to keep him. They don't want to pay him. He probably don't want to be there either. Exactly. So they cut him. Right. And, and again, it hasn't officially happened yet. It likely will happen today. There were no transactions Friday, no transactions Monday. Today's the day, but that's what the Cardinals are going to do. Unless this is another one of those situations. How many times have we seen this yeah. now? Where a we're team's going to release, release someone, right. and they announce they're going to release him, but before they actually release him, Somebody calls. there's some sort of a trade that gets right. worked out. Right. No, I know. I, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked, again, for the number we're talking about for the player for one year. I think it's what's on the horizon, what we discussed last week, that scares teams. You know, from wanting to trade or send major assets to DeAndre Hopkins, like you talked about. You talked, you know, with his injuries, PED suspension, 
um, and money that, we, okay, he has a good first 10, 12 games, now he wants a new contract. and we try, I think all those things complicate things on DeAndre Hopkins, let alone his age. Right. And I think when it comes to the Arizona Cardinals, like you said, I don't think he really wants to be there. He sees the writing on the wall. Part of the reason I think Buda Baker kind of came out strongly too, going, wait, we're totally in rebuild mode here. They're changing the culture. They want volunteers, not hostages. And Hopkins probably felt like more like he was, you know, being taken hostage here in this situation. So uh, I understand him not wanting out, but uh, I'm, I'm, I guess, I guess I'm a little surprised that they just cut him clean and dry right now and got it done with and didn't maybe want to wait and see if there was a little bit more of a market out there, if they could work something out here at some point. There's some other wrinkles to this as well. Yeah. The timing of the release and what they're doing. Right. And here we are. What is today? The 30th. 30th. Of May. Right. On Friday, June 2nd, they could cut him and split the cap charge over two years. Instead of $22.6 million in dead money this year, they would take $11.3 million this year and $11.3 million next year, saving $11.3 million in current year cap space. By doing it now, doing it today, they take the full $22.6 million. They can't do a post-June 1 designation because they've already done their two. Every team has two per year. They did it with J.J. Watt and Rodney Hudson. They can't do it. With DeAndre Hopkins, but they can wait until after June second. I got into an argument with somebody about that. They've already done their. They've already done. They can't do it. They've already done their their June their one designation. Moves. Right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. But they can just wait until after June one and do it as much as they right. want. Right. That's all you can do before June one too. After June one, as many as you want, and all they'd have to do is wait until Friday. And Chris, this was this was a, a fun little thing that. You know, on a slow Friday night, I was trying to get people to understand. And, and you just get these Cardinals fans that don't want to hear it. They don't want to, they don't want to acknowledge what is staring them right in the face. And this is as simple as I can make it. When you take the full cap charge this year, because I saw somebody out there who's in the NFL media bubble, and I can't remember who it is, somebody who's either directly or indirectly on the payroll. So you always have to be skeptical about the people who are directly or indirectly on the payroll because they're going to be likely to push the talking points of the team because this is all normal. This is fine. Nothing to see here. Back to what we talked about last segment. Nothing to see here. Okay, here's how this works. And I'm no cap expert, but I understand this aspect of it. You have two choices. Take the full $22.6 million cap charge now or cut it in half. 11.3 this year, 11.3 next year. What you're doing by not deferring this move by three more days. Yeah. You're tying your hands on $11.3 million in cap space. You are taking that money out of your pocket, and you are saying under no circumstances whatsoever will we spend that money this year. We've right. got $11.3 million in cap space that we could keep for as long as we want and roll it all over into next year. Right. We don't have to spend it. Yep. We can carry around the $11.3 million in our pockets and not spend it and then kick it to next year. But we're not going to do that. We're not even going to have the temptation to spend the money. We are tying our own hands behind our back and kicking that money to next year. Yeah. And that to me, Chris, is, and I'm not saying it's direct evidence, but it's pretty damn circumstantial evidence yeah. that the Cardinals are tanking this year. Because, and like, well, who would they give it to? Well, we don't know who's going to become available between now and, and week one. 
veteran players get cut all the time. They get beat out in camp. They make a numbers decision. This guy's cheaper. This guy's expensive. We're going to cut him. There's another team out there. Got cap space. And the Cardinals, and I know they have cap space otherwise, but it's an extra 11.3. It just shows you they don't care about this year. This decision tells you. Because all you can still kick the 11.3 to next year. Yeah. You're not required to spend it. They are preemptively preventing themselves from ever giving in to the temptation or yielding to the pressure because now they've got the, well, we don't have the cap space. Hey, why don't you pursue this guy? Why don't you pursue that guy? Sorry, we don't have the cap space. Yeah, you don't have the cap space because you didn't want to have the cap space because you don't want to be good this year. You want to get Caleb Williams. You want to move on from Kyler Murray. And now I'm being a little hyperbolic, but maybe I'm not because by not keeping that money around, the inescapable message is they don't care about being as good as they possibly can be in 2023. Well, th- that's fine. They don't have to. They're allowed to build for the future. They're stuck in a, you know, just fired a new coach. But and- they still can keep the money. They still can keep the cap space and kick it till next year. They're trying to seal off the argument. Why didn't you pursue this team? They want to be able to say we don't have the cap space. I, yeah. No. Why didn't you pursue this player, they, I mean? They want to say it, and they could have had the cap space. But they don't want point. it, Mike. They don't, they but they don't want the it. Cap space. Who cares? They don't want it. They want to build a be, better team for they next year. Interested. That's all they're they – they, they can still keep the cap space and do it. They can still keep it. They no. don't have to tie their hands now. They well, can keep it I and then they move just, it to next year later. Like That's my look, point. They just would like to look like, like hey, they're going to take their lumps. They're going to figure out their team and reorganize That's it here this Ross year. That's what Stephen Ross said in 2019. Well, okay. Sometimes it doesn't mean they're not, It doesn't mean they're not going to not try to win football games. But, yeah, they're not going to put every asset in the world oh. right now in a team that's – yeah, got a lot of issues. Eleven point million dollars, eleven million dollars ain't gonna do shit for them at any point of this year. It's not gonna change them. It'll make, what, do we think that's gonna make them go from two and fifteen to three and fourteen because they signed the eleven million dollars? No, listen, listen. I know. I get it. I get it. I know but you. My do. My point is. Yeah. My point is. It's evidence that they, they don't care. Well, That's we, my point. We, 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 you and I are on the same page. Yeah, I know that they shouldn't care. No. When you do this. To the trained eye, you are creating the trail of breadcrumbs to prove they don't care about this year. No. That's my point. Yeah. So all you Cardinals fans out there, I know they've dangled the bright, shiny object of the new uniforms that really aren't all that great. And, oh, oh, come by. Hey, oh, spend your money. Spend your money on tickets. Bring your family out to watch the Cardinals. Never mind the fact that we really don't care about winning this year. My point is this. The Cardinals don't care about winning this year. And I know that that's very frustrating from the perspective of a fan, a zealous fan of any team, wants to believe that no matter how good or bad their team is, they at least are trying to win as many games as possible and compete for a championship because you never know how the dominoes are going to fall in a given season. This, to me, is the Cardinals tapping out preemptively on 2023. And you and I probably... Wouldn't have been surprised to know that that's the way they were leaning. My point is, the timing of this Hopkins release, the way they're taking that cap charge, is the closest thing to an admission that we're going to get from them, that they know that this isn't it. This year, yeah, look, the guys we put on the field are going to try to win football games, bless their hearts. 
they're just not going to be good enough to win football games, and we're not keeping an extra $11.3 million around right. that we could spend on somebody who's going to help because it isn't going to make a difference. No, That's exactly. your point. Right. It isn't going to make a difference because we're going to suck this year. Right. But please renew your season tickets. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, they got that. They got Kyler Murray not you know, going to be healthy to start the year. So they got plenty of reasons. And as you and I both know, sometimes you got to take a step back to take two steps forward. And I think that's what they're doing. And they gave us an inkling already. Besides all this, that, that already showed us they were thinking about next year. We The draft. Everything they did for the draft is for next year's draft, right, Mike? So there's two things where, yes, you know, I don't want to say tanking, but certainly not putting their best foot forward this year. And, yeah, they're thinking more about 2024 Arizona Cardinals and going, hey, now we'll go all in that. Here's the other thing I want to pose to you, Mike, is now, like, the little report about, you know, the Cardinals also being angry, right, towards the end of the year that DeAndre Hopkins didn't play the last two games, right? And I, I can understand him not wanting to play. David Blau at quarterback. McCoy was hurt. They got all types of issues. But it just seems weird that that would even be thrown out there as part of this conversation. And it makes me think that only that would only come from the owner. I mean, what the, the old GM and the coach aren't there, so they're not, not happy, but they don't give a crap anymore. They're not there. Right. Great point. So that's where I'm just like the owner obviously had an issue with DeAndre Hopkins is how I take it when I hear that report. Wait, I gave you a new contract. We traded for you. We hung in there through PED use. And now you don't play the last two games of the year. I could see an owner being mad at that, but I just felt like that was a weird little wrinkle to this whole story. Well, and it came out a couple of days after the news was yeah, announced by right. the Cardinals that they were going to be cutting DeAndre Hopkins. There was never any whisper of it before, not a word, not an inkling, not anything about the Cardinals being frustrated with Hopkins for not playing the final two games of the season. Meaningless games in a lost season with the third-string quarterback, with a guy that you'd like to trade in the offseason. You kind of don't want him to play if he's potentially going to get banged up even more and you can't trade him. It just shows you how dysfunctional the Cardinals are, that they would even be upset about it. There's no reason to be upset about it. It's strategic. It's smart. It's over. It's done. Why do you want him out there? Why do you want him to get hurt? Why do you want him to help us win games? We're going to be higher in the draft standings if we just lose these last couple of games. And then it's extra dysfunctional to link that to somebody who used to work for the team, so there's a connection there. But you're right, the only person, the only common link is the owner. The GM's gone. The head coach is gone. If anything, you've got a new regime there that says the past is the past. Let's go. Exactly. we got one of the best receivers in the NFL. Right. Let's go. Right. Let's go. So, yeah, it, it, but, but look, here's why. Here's why. This, gets, this, this dovetails with the Dalvin Cook situation in Minnesota that we've talked about at length. Not every fan follows the sport the way that we do and the way yeah. the people that watch or listen to this show do. There's a lot of casual drive-by fans that don't understand things. And most Cardinals fans would not understand when DeAndre Hopkins lands with the Chiefs or the Bills, those are the two betting favorites to get him. The Bills first. I think it's more likely to be the Chiefs. The Ravens are in the mix as well. For some reason, the Jets are one of the top betting favorites. I can't imagine him playing for the Jets, but who the hell knows at this point? I don't rule out anything. In this, in this league, I don't rule out anything. But when he goes somewhere else and he plays really well, the Cardinals are going to look like idiots for letting him go in the eyes of the fans who don't understand the broader dynamics. And they're really not trying to win this year. They're saving cash. They're saving cap space. They're moving on from a guy who maybe doesn't want to be there. So they need a reason. 
They need something. They need low-hanging fruit for the casual fan to understand why they'd want to move on. And this idea that they're pissed off at him because, God forbid, he didn't play in a couple of meaningless games, which would resonate with the casual drive-by fan. Oh, my God, you're healthy enough to play football and you didn't play football. Well, now I understand why the Cardinals got rid of him. I think that's what this is all about. Getting the people who don't understand the nuances to say, okay, fine, get rid of the bum. He wouldn't play when he was injured. Yeah. Or when he was healthy, he claimed he was injured. Yeah, I, I, you're, you're probably right about that. You're right. It, qui- it quiets the, exactly, the masses who are not into the nuance and details of the NFL are going, wait, why will we just cut DeAndre Hopkins and not getting anything for him and then take this cap hit and all that? You're right. That's probably exactly why it's done. It gives, it gives that person a reason to go, oh, okay, yeah, he is a jerk, right. Okay, good thing we did get rid of him. Kind of seems that way. It all goes back to nothing to see here. I mean, that that should be the motto of the NFL. Forget about football as family. Nothing to see here. Hey, uh, why don't you go pursue that free agent that got cut? Oh, we don't have the cap space. Nothing to see here. Hey, uh, why'd you cut DeAndre Hopkins? He's a superstar now with the Chiefs. Well, he wouldn't play when he was actually healthy. He faked an injury, and that goes against our principles. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. All right, nothing more to talk about this segment, unless you have anything. No, I'm good. Surely, all good. If you got something, got it all out. All right, nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Let's take a break. Uh, We're gonna take a look at some of the best free agents who remain available, but not Tom Brady or DeAndre Hopkins. Others. (laughs) One PFT Live continues right after this. Did you know Bridgestone developed a tire using 75% recycled and renewable materials? Making a difference today for future generations. That's what really matters. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. Visit whatreallymatters.com to learn more. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispie, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is a little video from over the weekend. Christian Watson, Packers receiver, racing Simone Biles, who is married to Jonathan Owens, who recently signed with the Packers. Uh, Not even close. Man, I mean... Gymnasts are small. If you didn't know, gymnasts are small. And that's a big receiver. There's evidence by that difference there. Right. Yes. I mean, he slipped and then still came back and kind of won pretty easily. But that's a, again, we're, you know, we've had these conversations, Mike. Guys like Christian Watson, Odell Beckham Jr., Tyreek Hill, whatever. I, I look at those guys and go, in high school, if they decided, wait, Forget football. I want to be in the hundred meter final for the Olympics and the gold medal race. I think those guys are that. That's what kind of caliber of athlete they are. They could be in that race. I'm not saying they'd win. I know that, but I'm just saying that that that's what kind of speed and athlete that kind of Christian Watson, Tyree Kill, OBJ, that guy, kind of guy is. Well, it's all about what you sign your life over exactly to as right. the sport you choose. Right, and and. 
I mean, look, the, the Olympic events for some end up creating a ton of fame and fortune. The guy that, <laughs> as, as evidenced by the fact that I can't remember the, the name of the really fast guy. What's his Usain name? Bolt? You heard of Usain him before? Bolt. <laughs> I, for some reason, and, I, and look, I mean, there's a similarity in the name. I'm thinking Minute Bolt, who definitely was not a sprinter. Definitely not that fast. <laughs> no. <laughs> Usain Bolt. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, the path to stardom is a little simpler in football. You, you College football, pro football, the money's there. But if you are Usain Bolt, that one of one who is the fastest of the fast, then then that's your better path. But it just it it football would seem to draw those athletes in that direction. And that's one of the realities of soccer. And the people who love soccer are wondering at what point are the best of the best athletes going to be drawn away from other sports to soccer? And how much better could the United States be? I know that's a big question. Athletes right. sure. all played soccer right. their entire lives and focused exclusively on it and nothing else. And that, that is a fascinating question. Oh, it definitely what, is. What we could be as a soccer power if we would give up some of our best basketball, football, right. baseball. I don't want to throw in hockey players because although, you know, hey, look, the, the overall dexterity you need to skate – and do all that stuff with your body, and you're really not using your hands per se because you're not, you know, you're not yeah. allowed to touch the puck just like you're not allowed to touch the, the ball. Uh, I'd say anybody that's got a high level of overall athleticism and coordination of their mind and their body, it could be transferable to soccer if you just stick with it your entire life. Yeah. No, I, it, yes. I mean, soccer seems to be one of those sports that, you know, most people playing it, that's all they play growing up for the most part, right? I mean, that's, it seems to be my son, daughter's friends, the ones that are playing soccer. It's all year round, you know, and that's what they do. But, yeah, I'd be interested. Would I want to know, like, yeah, what would it look like if we had, you know, Tyree Kill on one edge and Jamar Chase on another edge and Justin Jefferson running down with, like, I don't know, uh, uh, Josh Jacobs playing, you know, the center position, and we got LeBron James at goalie. Like, yeah, we'd, I, I think we'd be, we'd be tough. Jalen Ramsey playing defense and those type of guys back there. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what we could put out there if they went, we went all in on soccer. Uh, some, some interesting hypotheticals that will never come to be. We're going to pivot to some hypotheticals that still may happen. The best available remaining free agents. And I said during the throw – to break last time that we wouldn't include DeAndre Hopkins. I was wrong. Liar. But not Tom Brady. But not Tom Brady. So uh, Hopkins technically will be free, barring an unexpected trade at 4 p.m. Eastern today. W what's the best fit? Who should Hopkins sign with? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think my answer differs from something we've talked about really from the start, where, you know, I just look at, Buffalo or Kansas City to still be the two spots where if he wants what he wants ultimately where you know hopefully that you know and again I know he wants to be paid somewhat respectably but but at the same time capitalize on that next contract that we've talked about in the past with OBJ you want to put yourself in a position where yeah you're gonna 
you know, get stats. You're going to be in some big games. You're going to people are going to see what you can do on the field and some of those marquee matchups on primetime football. And of course, yeah, you're a part of two teams that have a great offense and quarterback that want to throw the ball. So those are still the two teams I look at for DeAndre Hopkins and the Bills specifically. To me, are a team that. I think could really, really use them. The Chiefs could use them, but they're not bad at the receiver department. They got a little everything, and we saw them be just fine last year. But the Bills, I think, like we both discussed a lot, there is a definite need. And I also think the DeAndre Hopkins thing maybe would help Stephon Diggs. And if there is an issue there, that that might actually just you know help that situation you know uh, flourish or whatever it's stuck in right now just end. I guess is what I want to say. My son and I were talking about it on Friday night, and he said, well, Diggs be upset if they sign Hopkins. And it's like, well, he shouldn't be because that gives him the help that right. he presumably is looking for. Right. Now, if he gets overshadowed by Hopkins, see, there's a, there's a line there. If all of a sudden Hopkins is the new number one and he's the guy that's getting 15 targets a game and not Diggs, then there's a point where a different type of frustration comes out. The current frustration is lack of wins – relative to what they should be with Josh Allen as the quarterback. The other type of frustration that could manifest instead is the fact that I'm not the guy anymore. It's DeAndre Hopkins. But I think that that is a problem that Stephon Diggs would be willing to tolerate more than just not the team being as good as it can be. The problem, though, is will they go all in? Will they take that chance with a guy who's got injury issues? We talk from time to time about how it's possible the Bills still feel a little burned. Yeah by the risk they took on Vaughn Miller. They pay all that money. He gets a torn ACL. Did that make them hesitant about OBJ? Is it making them hesitant about DeAndre Hopkins or other veteran players? But the Bills and the Chiefs, we know, were at least in it, reportedly talking to the Cardinals before the draft about possibly trading for DeAndre Hopkins. So, And here's the other side of it, too. Whoever gets him keeps the other team from getting him. Right. There's an, an extra net benefit here. Not only do we have him, they don't. The Chiefs have him, the Bills don't. The Bills have him, the Chiefs don't. The Ravens have him, and neither the Bills nor the Chiefs have him. And, and you know, remember, there was a report at one point or a discussion, a talking point, something about Lamar wanting both Beckham and Hopkins. Now, they have Zay Flowers with the first-round pick. They have Nelson Aguilar. They've got two tight ends. I don't know if the... You know, the, the receiver room is full in Baltimore. At I would this think point, so. But, but still, if you bring him in, you, you keep him away from the Chiefs and the Bills. And that's one of the things you have to think about if you're going to be competing with those teams. We have him, we use him, and the Chiefs don't have him, and the Chiefs can't use him. But to me, the Chiefs make the most sense. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it makes a ton of sense. It does. Now, you know, the, there's a few things that play into the situation that I think are, you know, worth noting, too. You know, one, where is DeAndre is DeAndre Hopkins? I don't think he's just going to go to whoever gives him the biggest payday, right? And you talked about the OBJ contract and all that causing an issue. Well, yeah, it's going to cause an issue for this new team who wants to sign him as well, right? And I, I don't think he's just going to go to a team who pays him the most money. He wants to be a part of a winner, I think, at this point of his career. But how much money does he want? You know, that that's going to be part of this equation as well. And the Chiefs and Bills... They're towards the bottom of football and, and available cap space. Now, I know they can find ways to finagle things. They always do. But, 
You know, also, yeah, it's 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 going to be about finding that right balance and what he's asking for long term. Is it a one year deal? All of those type of things play into this situation. Uh, and and yeah, I'll be interested to see where he goes. I do still think DeAndre Hopkins is a hell of a football player. Maybe not one of the top five receivers in the game anymore, but damn, he's still real good. And he showed us that last year when he came back from the PED suspension. And it's going to be difficult for him to process because he was once upon a time, not that long ago, the highest paid receiver in football with a new money average of $27 million per year. He's been leapfrogged by the likes of Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. And earlier in the offseason, I think you and I believe that his mindset was, I want to be traded in part because somebody else is going to pay me along the lines of Adams and Hill. Now we're at a point where nobody wanted to even touch the remaining two years of his contract, and it's possibly because they knew he had expectations for right. more on the way I in. think so. Part of it is got to get the guy to understand where he currently fits. And he may not like it, but he doesn't fit with the highest-paid players in the sport. He just doesn't. He's got to come to terms with that. When he comes to terms with that, that's when it's time to do business. And see, because these teams deal with personalities like that, all shapes and sizes and sorts of people over the years. They've built up an institutional knowledge of how to play these negotiations. They know. They know where DeAndre Hopkins fits. You know, sometimes you got to let it simmer. Sometimes you got to step back. Sometimes you just got to let it play out. You don't want to rush. If you rush, the guy's going to think, man, I'm worth more than, than maybe, maybe I even thought I was worth. You got you to be coy and you got to let him come to terms with the fact that it may just not be there in the amounts he's thinking. And that's what makes this fascinating because there's an opportunity for a land rush, but the more anxious the teams look, the more he's going to want. So maybe this just has to sit for a while. Maybe this just has to wait. We're almost at the end of the off-season programs. Maybe this is something that goes a month. I, I don't be know. Shocked. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it could go quickly. It could take a while. But a lot of it is getting DeAndre Hopkins to the right mindset that he accepts the best offer he gets. And the other wrinkle, too, here. Because he said at one point, he was on Pat McAfee's show, and he was talking about how he has an agent again. He had one earlier in his career, then he didn't have one, and now he has one again. Under the NFLPA records, he has none. And I keep hearing St. Omni's involved, and teams are leery about communicating via email with Hopkins because everybody's figured out this game now. Guys go set up burner accounts in their own name, and they use their agent who isn't certified by the NFLPA to pretend that they're them and to trade offers and communicate back and forth with the team. My understanding is there are multiple teams that will only talk directly to Hopkins, speak to him directly, no emails, no texts, just talking. And uh, that complicates things as well if that's part of this broader dance that needs to be done before he can he can do a deal but you know what's funny all the teams we're talking about are afc teams is there an nfc team that you can think of that, that could, would that would fancy him or would jump think, in hey yeah, yeah right, let's yeah right. this is going to be a difference maker for us well i i mean you look at philadelphia and san francisco right i don't they're not going to be looking for anything like that you get into dallas i don't think they're going to look at anybody there in that department you know, I I don't know if I do see a team. Like, see, this is where I got into, hey, Carolina, it would make sense. That's who I thought of when I was bringing up teams that are like, maybe would throw some money at him, help your young quarterback, but would he want to go to that situation, right? I could see some of those teams maybe going, hey, 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 come here, and yeah, you can, we'll pay you money, and you can help out Bryce Young and help out our football team, but I don't think he's going to want to be a part of those situations. So I don't see one in the NFC that really jumps out to me. Seattle, things are full there. I think the Giants, 
I don't know. I don't imagine them going there. I think they're set too. And I, I don't know. I don't picture them to be a team that's going to throw $20 million out to a receiver right now who also was with Billy O'Brien and there was an issue there. And then a lot of these coaches know Billy O'Brien. So those are the other things I, I think about too with DeAndre Hopkins. What about the Lions? I know. I, think I saw over the weekend that they're right. doing their homework on him. Not that, I mean, that's really not news. Doing the homework isn't really news. Pursuing him would be the news. Would he fit with the Lions? They're not going to have Jamison Williams for the first it, he would. of the season. He would. I think that's the team that, that pops right there. I think that's it. You know, yeah, no Jamison Williams, right? He is tough and physical. Golf is a, like, you know, stand in the pocket. Let me throw the ball down the field, and he's not afraid to pull the the ball, pull the trigger into some tight windows that way. I could see that being a fit there. I, I certainly can. That one would make sense in the NFC. I think that would by far be the one that makes the most sense to me. One more, one more that uh, uh, comes to mind that we haven't discussed: former teammate Deshaun Watson, current quarterback of the Cleveland mm. Browns. That's mm. one that's kind of gurgling. Which you know, the Browns are just this curiosity for me. We don't know what they're going to be. No. We're talking about all these other teams. They're in a great spot to be overlooked and disregarded. If they would get DeAndre Hopkins, all of a sudden they, they, they elbow their way into the conversation in the AFC if they would show up with DeAndre Hopkins one day in the next few weeks. All right, uh, we had more that we want to get to. Let's get to a couple more before we end the segment. Jadavian Clowney, number one overall pick in the 2014 draft. He recently said he'd like to go back to the Texans. D'Amico Ryan's a new head coach, was, was very noncommittal when asked about Jadavian Clowney. Who should he sign with? Yeah, well, I don't think he's a – he's not a, a fit for the D'Amico Ryan's defense there, right? You know, Jadavian Clowney is still a good football player, no doubt about it. But top-notch pass rusher? No, not necessarily. That, that's where, you know, stops the run well, physical still. Are you going to get 10 sacks a year with a guy that's got a degenerative knee and issue like that? No, you're not. So that's the thing with Jadeveon Cloudy. He said, unfortunately, at that point in his career where, you know, the money, the injury history, all of that is a little skeptical. So, like, do I, I look at teams at the top of the, you know, salary cap issue and go, hey, the Bears could use a guy like, but do they really want to spend money on a guy, you know, that's towards the end of his career and might not be able to, to help them out? I think it's more of like he's got to find like a role-playing, you know, 3-4 type defense. Like your Minnesota Vikings would make sense to me to a degree. Right, you got Daniel Hunter, uh, Daniel Hunter. Right, you got Marcus Davenport, where there is a little bit. Of, so let's uh, injury and concern with his shoulder. You know, maybe you get that get a Jadavion Clowney to add depth to the rotation. He still plays, but you're not depending on him starting and playing 70 snaps a game. It's a situation like that. But he's a guy here that I don't think he's not getting signed until training camp starts. I don't think anything's happening here anytime soon, Mike. Yeah, I feel bad for him. He never got a big payday from the Texans other than the contract he received as the number one overall pick. But we know that starting in 2011, those deals aren't nearly as big as they used to be. The Texans never gave him the reward. They used him for five years. I think did they? I don't think they, they franchise tag him. I can't remember. But then he got into the I one think they year did at a franchise time. Him he one did two time. years with the Browns. Yeah. He was with Seattle. He was with Tennessee. He just kind of goes from team to team at this point. I was surprised he came back for a second year in Cleveland, but that ship has sailed based on some of the things he said on his way out the door. He can still be very disruptive. The problem is how many games are you going to get exactly. out of him? That's the exactly. problem. Exactly, right. He, he plays so hard, and you know he's got that long, lean body, and he's getting double teamed, and he gets banged up, and 
you're not going to get 17 games out of him. Maybe you will, but you, you shouldn't bet on it. It's iffy. So right. what are you willing to pay for a guy that, that you're going to have to manage if you want to keep him around for most of the season, especially now that he's he's entering what will be year 10 of his career? Yeah, right. It's it's That's where I think when it's all said and done, we're talking about a one-year deal worth low millions of dollars, right? Two, three million dollar deal, maybe four, something like that. And you just got to see what, what shakes out. But yeah, I, I mean, it, it's hard to to peg Dallas Cowboys. Would they want to take a chance on a Jadeveon Clowney? They could maybe use a little something to bolster their pass rush. Would they want to throw some money that way? It's a risky investment because of what you said. And I think that's where it's going to take probably an injury or a team to really realize, like, wait, we do have an issue here. We played a preseason game. We're weak at the edge position on defense. Let's let's call Jadeveon Clowney. The problem is I'm not sure he's the best player available on the market right now at that position. Leonard Floyd's out there, and Leonard Floyd's younger and better right now than Jadeveon Clowney, and that hurts Clowney too. All right, let's pivot to them, uh, to him then. Leonard Floyd, who do you think he should sign with? Gosh. We're talking about the same teams. Is it a different fit? What do you think? Well, it's a 3-4-ish it's a type of football player again, right? And, you know, this is, again, a guy that, yeah, he's never – he can flirt with 10 sacks. He's more of an 8, 7, 9.5 sack type of guy, right, Who who is awesome at playing the run. I mean, off the charts playing the run. And he's good in pass coverage. I mean, he's one of these hybrid – type players where like I just look at teams like Atlanta well Atlanta they could use some some guys to bolster their front seven why wouldn't they be interested in them I look at the Cincinnati Bengals a little bit and go hey you're a team that you know couldn't get after the quarterback quite to the the same extent as the year before would you jump in on the Leonard Floyd's you know sweepstakes to a degree but I think it would be a three four-ish type team that would want his services more than not Mike and uh you know that that's where I think it's going to play out, but I think it's another guy that probably waits till training camp before he gets signed. You know, despite the importance of the position, you've got Unique Ngakwe who's yeah, still out there, right? Justin Houston is still out there. I think Melvin Ingram he's still, is out, still there. out there. He Frank is. Clark is still out there. I, it's crazy. There's some pass rushers there is. still out there, and it may be that these guys are just in the phase of their career where. We know not to waste our time exactly. with off-season work. I think so. This is something that if it's going to happen, it's going to happen during camp or it's going to happen even during the season, like in Dominican Sue, even though he's not an edge rusher. Just the idea, guys who have been around, guys who know their bodies, guys who maybe aren't interested in all the banging that happens in the interior of the two lines of scrimmage during training camp. We don't need to rush this. We can wait. And there really are some some recognizable names out there, some accomplished players at the pass rusher position that, I don't know, I assume some of them are going to find a home before the season starts. I, I but, would think uh, so. We'll see. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, you, you look at even like, I look at teams like the Denver Broncos. Would they get involved with one of these edge guys that we're talking about here? You know, they certainly could be a team that could probably bolster their that position a little bit. And they play that type of style that would want a clowny or uh, or a Leonard Floyd, you know, but yeah, it'd be interesting. Frank Clark, I mean, damn, he's still a good football player, like you said, and his ability to just wide up, line up wide, and get after the quarterback, damn, it's still valuable. But I, I think it's like what you said. It's 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 we don't need to be there right now. We can work out and lift weights and run and be explosive. We're just pass rushers, and 
we can wait to till a team gets a little desperate so you know the money the money uh goes up a little bit and and I get paid what I feel I'm worth one name we didn't mention is Robert Quinn, and I know he's 33, but he set the Bears' single-season sack record just two years ago, and his name never comes up. Remember, he was traded last year to the Eagles, and like, oh, boy, this is really going to be – well, look at this rotation. He never really did anything there, so that, that's part of it. When do you ignore the name and the history and recognize it's just not going to work? It's not going to happen. Too much wear and tear, too many years, and we need to move on, and we need to move on. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. I feel like it was a, I got a misconception about me with the whole weed thing. Cause like, regardless, yeah, I was wrong just cause, man, like I shouldn't have smoked in the car. Regardless, like, um, but like looking back on this, like, bro, like that's what I did. Like, you know, when I was playing football, I smoked, bro. Like, I was, even before the games, I smoked. You know, I'd go out there and run for 150, two tubs. In the like, NFL? Yeah. Le'Veon Bell on the Steel Here podcast admitting what I think we all knew. I don't know. Didn't we know? Guys smoke marijuana before games. I mean, it's been that way for years. We're just at the point where essentially the NFL has decriminalized it. They've made it so hard to get suspended. Yeah, you can still get fined. You know when you're going to be tested. You're tested during the early days of training camp. After that, it's smoke them if you got them. Guys are smoking all the time. Guys are living in states where it's legal. The stigma is gone. The suspense is over. The mystery is solved. Guys like to smoke. Yeah, no, guys do like to smoke. You're you're right. There's no doubt about that. I think a lot of athletes like to smoke. It's better for you than taking prescription drugs or, you know, drinking alcohol, which dehydrates your muscles and hurts joints and things like that. So that's where athletes, you know, want to rely on smoking rather than the, the, uh, the alternatives there. Now, listen, not every guy in the locker room smoking, right? That, that's, that, that's, you know, not exactly the truth, but there's certainly a good faction. And with a guy like Le'Veon Bell, that's rare. You know, that's where it's like, hey, I was on some teams, and, and there'd be a few guys that would smoke weed before a game, no doubt about it. On the car ride to the game, they were going to smoke some weed, or if it was an away game, they were going to smoke some weed in their hotel room before they got in the bus and then go to the game, Right. And the ones that I knew that do that did that, damn, they were better when they were like that. And I think Le'Veon Bell was probably like that as well. Listen, I I had some teammates, and and I've told this story before, and I'm not, I, and I know I'm allowed to tell it because this is my man, and I've told him. I was, but Dwight Smith, right? Two interceptions in the Super Bowl, returned them both to the house for a touchdown. Right? The only guy ever to have two interception pick sixes. He was a guy. That I've told this on my podcast before. He'd smoke weed before the games. Dwight Smith was one of the smartest, most passionate guys I was ever around in football. So it worked for some guys. For me, yeah, no way that I could do that, right? Most of us, no way we could do that. But for some guys, like Marshawn Lynch, right? He takes a shot of alcohol or two of tequila or Hennessy, I think he told Peyton Manning on Peyton's places before the game to relax. You know, some guys do some of that stuff, and there was probably always two or three guys that had a drink maybe before the game or smoked weed before the game, and Le'Veon Bell, that's cool of him to be honest about it and just kind of give us an inside look of what made him. Yeah, the only issue is he got arrested 
Yeah. I think with LeGarrette Blunt. They were in a car together, right. Hotbox. Is right. that what Hotbox is? <laughs> yes, in it is. In the car? Yeah. Uh, you know, it hits, it hits it's hard It's amazing there, how yeah. the world is – it's amazing how the world has changed. Right. Where there is no stigma. Nobody seems to care. And Le'Veon Bell – I, and this is, you know, I feel bad for players who they get to the end of their NFL career and they realize, I still got a lot of years to live. Where do I fit in this world? What am I going to do? And I feel like he's going through it. He's done some boxing. I think he said on the same podcast he'd like to come back and take a couple of snaps in the preseason with the Steelers like that's ever going to happen. He seems to have some regret about how things went with the Steelers. Yeah, It's, it's just, you know, it's a sign it's of a maturity, yeah. but also acknowledgement that that for most NFL players, and that's why Chuck Knoll, the legendary Steelers coach, always referred to everything you do after your career as your life's work because playing football is not your life's work because it is not something that is going to be a significant part of your life unless you're Tom Brady and you play for 23 years. Yeah, that, 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 that's right. And, you know, you, you got to capitalize why, you, why you're there. It's a short career. You know, you, you get all that. But you also got to understand the value of the situation you're in. And I think that's probably where Le'Veon Bell can look back at his Steelers situation and go, wait, damn, I wish I, you know, you know, could have handled that differently because they knew how to use me and I know how to, I knew exactly how to fit in that offense and that brought out the best in him and it was the best for the Steelers there. And I think he probably would have made more money and had a longer career if he would have just hung in there and stayed with the Steelers rather than, you know, taking the, uh, the route that he did. Let's take a break. I sometimes pay attention to other sports that may offer some interesting stories that could apply to the NFL. And there's one out of the NBA that Uh-oh. may have some relevance at some point to the National Football League. We'll discuss it next here on PFT Live. I see what you did. You told us about your jump shot. So that means you and Travis are challenging me and Kenny. August 19th. A match. Let us know. The match. <laughs> anytime, any place. Free throws nope, only. Nope, nope, Two on two. <laughs> two on two. Two on two? Yeah, two I don't on two. Know about that, man. Why not? I don't know. I'm Why not? You working on your jump shot. Hey, Pat, first of all, it's like two I'm and a half. I'm moving very well, so I might hey, have a chance. Pat, actually, uh, I did not, get a new hip. I did get a new hip. <laughs> it ain't really two on two. It's two and a half. Who, who's a half? You, you two and a half. You one and a half, big fella. I, 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 I know you're fat ass and just told me one and a half. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love those guys. Still one Charles of the best Buckley, shows on. Kill O'Neal and yeah, Covenant. they're great. They really um, are. I'd love to see, of all the stupid competitions that get proposed or some of them that actually happen, like the match with the golf that happens every year. Now that's what Patrick Mahomes was promoting during his inside the NBA appearance. I'd love to see Mahomes and Kelsey. That's how it was proposed. Mahomes and Kelsey, Travis Kelsey against Kenny Smith and Shaquille O'Neal in two on two. That would be worth the price of admission. It really would be. I, I mean, you know, one, you got two guys that are in their prime as athletes and then two other guys that are not in their prime where I do think that, you know, would even the, even the playing field a little bit, but I mean, the normal human being does not realize how big Shaquille O'Neal is. Shaquille O'Neal is so unbelievably big. It's hard to think that anybody of two on two could beat him in any type of game. I don't care who his other teammate is. I mean, he's like the, one of the eight wonders of the world. When you see Shaquille O'Neal in person, unbelievable, massive, right? You would definitely not want to try to work the inside game with Shaquille (laughs) O'Neal guarding the basket, right? 
Uh, and speaking of the NBA, this is what caught my eye over the weekend. I saw a report on ESPN that that uh, a referee named Eric Lewis, a longtime NBA referee, is under investigation for using a burner account on Twitter to defend himself and other referees against criticism. And look, that hasn't happened yet in the NFL, although Roger Goodell's wife did have a burner account at one point. Apparently, yeah. the Wall Street Journal uncovered yeah. this, of all things, that, right. that she was using to defend him against critics, including me, <laughs> years ago. But, you know, you, you never know who's going to be out there with a burner account and to what end they're going to use. And we've got all these things we have to worry about with misinformation on social media. Would it be a shock to think that somebody who is so heavily scrutinized and criticized like a referee, whether it's the official or a family member that would have a burner account that's used to push back. It wouldn't surprise me if that happens. I'm surprised it took this long for one to come to light. No, I, I, I would think it probably goes on more than we realize. And, you know, whatever reason, it seems like the NBA has been caught a little bit. There's player like Kevin Durant, right? He's been caught with the burner account, I think, more than more than once throughout his career. Uh, it, it's the world we live in right now. And people... Or get that's the cesspool of social media. If you're in a spotlight situation, all you do is get crapped on. Sorry, London. Okay, for the better part of anything you do, and people get sick of that. Why? I don't know. I don't know why they pay attention or care so much what all those people on social media think. But yeah, it's a real part of our world, and it's it's changing our world in a lot of ways and adding a lot of different dynamics that are unseen. It really is amazing how toxic it is, how hateful it is, and it seems to be getting worse. Definitely. And I care less and less about it, but my God, what I see, you just like things that you would never say in a letter, <laughs> on the phone, face to face, they'll just say whatever they want behind that keyboard and into that social media account. It, and, and, and like I said, it's only getting worse, and it doesn't seem like it's going to be getting any better. Quick break, more PFT Live right after this. Given what the Miami Heat have accomplished in the NBA playoffs, we've decided that today's draft, now the Heat are actually in the fun, winning Game 7 after losing three in a row to the Celtics. The best low-seeded team to make it to the Super Bowl. Were, they, were the Heat the eighth seed? They were the, the eighth, eighth seed. seed, yeah. Right. Wow. They, wow. They were wow. a, a okay. playing and, team. And they won three road games. Right. Three road games along the way. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's where uh, we were starting the show. It's, it's a, a team that's for their ba- with their backs against the wall. They seem to play their best. So, uh, all right, let's all get right. it going. Best low-seeded teams to make it to the Super Bowl. Go. Well, I, I mean, I'm going to go the 2007 New York Giants. That's where I'm going to start. I, I, I mean, again, one – you know, it's the you get in the playoffs, almost beat the Patriots at the end of that regular season in the last game of the year, right? But lose, but it gives them kind of the hope to go, wait, we can compete with them. We weren't outclassed by them. And then to go on the run they did in that playoffs, right? Go to Tampa, go to Dallas Cowboys, and then, of course, beat the Packers on the road with Brett Favre and then beat the undefeated Patriots. Uh, that, that takes the cake for me. 2005 Steelers, without question, without question. They were left for dead after they lost to the Bengals. The Bengals took over the division. They beat the Bears at home and began the turnaround. They got hot. They went to Cincinnati. Carson Palmer torn ACL, first throw of the game. Beat the Bengals, somehow knocked off the super and supposedly unbeatable Colts, then went and beat the Broncos, and then made it to the Super Bowl, and 
ultimately won that. And uh, that was memorable. That was the first time the sixth seed ever ran the table to get to the Super Bowl and win it all. Let's take it. Let's take a break. We're going to jam in the final two rounds in whatever we have left in the show. We're probably going to have to talk really fast. More PFT Live right after this. First time for everything. We got two rounds left in the draft and not a whole lot of time. Go. Best low-seeded team to make it to the Super Bowl. Well, I'm, and they won the Super Bowl to the 2000, 2010 Packers. That, that's where I'm going to go. I mean, first off, that was the greatest stretch of playoff game and play performance I ever saw a quarterback have with Aaron Rodgers. It was unreal. Greatest one-man show. And of all the years, that was one of two times in Aaron Rodgers' whole career where the Packers had a top 10 defense, right? You know, it just tells you a little bit. Brady had three top 10 defenses after the age of 42. Rodgers only had two his whole freaking career. The 2008 Cardinals were described by some as the worst team to ever make it to the playoffs in league history, and they made it to the Super Bowl. And, yes, they had the NFC Championship game at home, but it was against the Cardinals, or the Eagles, excuse me, and the Eagles had destroyed the Cardinals on Thanksgiving night, and the Cardinals won that game and made it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, that that was that was like one of those runs where you're like, man, I whoa, I didn't think they were getting the playoffs, and all of a sudden, whoa, holy cow, they're making a run, and they became dangerous, and of course had the the Steelers on the ropes there. All right, I, I'm going to go here. Yeah, one more each. Two thousand Ravens. Two thousand Ravens. One of the best defenses we ever saw. I'll go with the 2020 Buccaneers, which we forget were the five seed. The five seed ran the table and got to the Super Bowl and obviously won it. We're done. See you tomorrow. Have a great Tuesday. Go spread the word. When you get a fresh, hot McCrispie from McDonald's and you can feel the heat coming through the bag, don't try to wait till you get home. Always respect hot chicken. The McCrispy, only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.